Let me hop in here and talk about our one of our sponsors for the podcast, Southern Coast Canine, based out in New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine has been providing better training, better results, and better dogs for over 25 years. Led by Bill Heiser and known for their excellent high-drive dual-purpose and detection dogs and outstanding customer service. They have what you want and what you are looking for. Call 1-877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647 and speak with Bill to discuss your canine needs today. Or visit southerncoastcanine.com. That's the letter K, the number 9. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at southerncoastcanine, the letter K, the number 9. I want to give a huge thanks to Ryan and the guys over at Tripwire Ops. Go check out their class schedule and every amazing thing it is they have to offer on the World Wide Web at tripwireops.org. That's tripwireops.org. Big thanks to Arno at ALM, almk9equipment.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Hit Arno up at A-R-N-O at almsuit.com. First-time visitors to a site use discount code WDRADIO to receive 10% off your new tug or suit. Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Yeah, it's the 23rd, uh, so we got another episode of Working Dog Radio, and tonight, this is fantastic, it's just me and Eric, and I get questions, I get carrier pigeons, I get text messages, I get emails, I get Instagram, Facebook messages of people that ask me, uh, and Eric, and Alicia, stuff that sometimes doesn't always make it into the show or sometimes doesn't always fit or sometimes is not always the most politically politically correct thing to say at the point in time with whoever we've got on. So (laughs) this has kind of been Eric and I sabotaging each other, trying to figure out uh, like kind of some best practices shit. Tata, we're dealing with some frustration dealing with, um, with vendors or handlers or admins or anybody else. So, uh, yeah, and aside from that, Eric, it sounds like you have a shitty situation going on. Yeah, um, something's running through the kennel right now. I got I only got a couple dogs in here, and they're blowing their ass out a lot. So we're trying to figure it out, get it straightened up. Hopefully it'll be, you know, a few days of uh, the right medicine, and we'll be good to go. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you must be fucking great. You guys play with fucking dogs all day. That's all you do, right? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> if that's what you think yeah. I do all day, oh, man, do I have news for you, homie, because it's, uh, it's not even close. Yeah, I was at the kennel at 7 o'clock in the morning, as usual this morning. I walk in, and as I'm walking into the door, I can smell it. And I knew, because I sleep my dogs in crates at night. I take them out of the kennels and put them in crates so that the kennels are clean. Well, if they're sick... Um, they're gonna, you know, they're not gonna make it through the night, and one of them didn't, and he was standing in, you know, an inch of diarrhea. So uh, I get to deal with that, and uh, this morning I'm dressed for work, and I'm covered in shit and bathing. I had to give him a bath, and uh, 
but uh, and then the other one started shitting in his crate in the van, um, which spilled out onto the carpet of the van. So I had to clean all that up, and then I just scrubbed down every inch of the kennel from top to bottom, every crate that I have, everything they've ever touched. So <clears throat> I uh, I didn't get home till about eight o'clock p.m. and here we are. It's nine something my time, nine sixteen. So good yeah. times. God bless. That sucks. Yeah, we had yeah. Uh, we had Stilly was like that for a while, and it was turned out to be nothing large, but it was just a fucking virus that took forever to fix. So, mm. uh, we're calling this the what the pet peeves episode. Yeah, uh, pet peeves. Eric wants to bitch episode. Just things like that. <laughs> well, yeah. I saw some things in some uh, my training videos uh, at last week's training. I had somebody else making the videos, and they were running a scenario for me. And then I go back; they send me the videos. And I go back and I look, and there's something that one of the guys was doing that uh, two of the guys did that is something I harp on all the time. And here they are doing it, and it just I'm like, you know what? We need to talk about this stuff. Um, there's a lot of it on trainers' ends, on handlers' ends, on everybody's end. And uh, so I said, we'll we'll uh, we won't just bitch. We'll we'll tell you the best way to do it from our experience anyways and um do with it what you will but it's there'll be a ton of people listening to this episode and going yep 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 my my trainer tells me that yep my guy does that um and uh it's just you know just complaining that's all <laughs> yeah and then there's going to be some people who listen to this and be like oh those guys are idiots and then you can go start your own fucking podcast so right um mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, let's start with uh with other trainers Yeah, we get a ton of those. Um, So one of my my things with other trainers are I see because what happens is guys will go to training groups and you know ours is pretty well known. It's pretty large. Uh, They'll go uh, other places and then they come to us because it's just they're not seeing what they're seeing um, on our social media feeds. You know the scenarios that we're doing and they're not seeing the. the results that we are they're not you know they go to theirs and they don't do anything and uh so that will that'll be my complaint on there is listen you you go to train with whoever you want there's there are a couple trainers that if you've been through their class you're not welcome in mine um just because i don't want to spend my entire day unscrewing everything that your trainer did uh usually which is nothing um one of the big biggest things is uh, we've talked about this a lot is you you go to a training day and say you only go twice a month and you get to go there and your trainer does the same thing every time you go out uh, you go put out a little bit of odor maybe you do four hides on four cars no blanks no challenges you know where the odor is uh, then you go to a track that's about 50 60 yards uh, sometimes I know one group that all they do is a straight line track for about 30 feet. Okay, that's good. They can do one line. They can do, you know, a mile and three turns and everything else. Then you'll go to lunch uh, for an hour and a half. And then you come back and you'll go out on the bite field and you'll do, um, well, you might, maybe you'll do a building search, but probably not. You'll go out and do one long bite with a re- one recall and a bite out, maybe a, a suspect pat down put your dog up it's 1 o'clock and then you go home and that's every single training um and 
first, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why handlers go repetitively go to those places. I think now because of social media, some of those guys are getting exposed a little bit more. Um, I mean, you know, Ted, if you if you watch Wednesday afternoons on my feed or the Canine Association feed, you're going to see some fucked up stuff. You know, we're doing some weird shit, and uh, it's a blast, and the guys love it. And yeah, I let them I let them know at the beginning of the day. Look, we're done at three o'clock today. We are going to be here till every bit of three o'clock because we got shit to do. Um, so that's my big rant on that is that. trainers that still just do the the basic even on the maintenance day and uh, I I don't get it and and I know it's laziness or just an absolute lack of of ability Um, you gotta one thing I find from a lot of dog trainers is they're not bad at maybe getting a green dog and getting up through certification but they are not good at problem solving and that's the big difference between no, no, a good trainer and a great trainer or, or a trainer and a, even a good trainer is when the guy comes to you from the shift and goes, my dog didn't do this or he did this and they don't know how to fix it. Yeah. So we have a very similar problem here. So we have our group and the same night that our guys, we train. Uh, so our guys don't get like the big training days like they do up there. They do um, four, uh, five hour they do one five-hour day a week, right? So it's usually on their days off, or it's before they go on. Uh, a lot of most of my guys are on nights, so you know, and it's the same deal because you know we're the same way, and we do random shit, and I'm always mixing it up and doing you know this or that, and I have a book that Scott and I keep that we keep, uh, or those that I uh, that I keep, and I you know, Scott sort of knows about it, but I keep track of what we do and where we hide it and whatever else and what we've done and what we haven't done and everything else. So I try to keep and rotate through certain scenarios and make sure we're doing like building searches and area searches and then tracks and then bites and then. Blah, 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 right? So every time they come, they're like, okay, we're doing this tonight. And they're like, oh, great, whatever. Well, the other group is run by a uh, national organization trainer, and or he's trying to become a master trainer, and they do the same fucking bullshit every fucking week and because they train the same times that we do. So they do four or five hours. They do one five hour a week. Um, and it's the same fucking bullshit over and over and over and over again. It's, it's preparing for national certification. Well, which I don't really have a problem with. Those guys can do whatever the fuck they want. The problem is, is when we have group, we have these dudes that come back and forth between the two. Now, herein lies the issue. We're the only guys in the state that have our training days accredited for cleat hours that are private. Um, and a lot of the, and I'm, and I know that a lot of the, uh, the, like the larger departments, like it all counts. But, you know, the smaller departments don't go train with those guys because they're not allowed to or they don't allow them to come in or whatever else. But so my problem is exactly what you said. Like when we have guys that kind of go back and forth between our group and this other group, I end up unfucking a lot of bullshit and un, you know, hand, you know, handling a lot of shit with handlers that I'm like, yeah, you know, the dog really should be doing this or he really should be doing that or you shouldn't be doing this. And I'm just kind of like, holy shit, you know, and and so uh, it ends up being super fucking frustrating. And, you know, I have told everyone in my area and everybody knows, like, if you're a law enforcement officer on Tuesday nights, you don't have to pay to come out and train with us. Um, it's not that big of a deal unless you got a dog from 
somebody. Yeah, right. And right. Yeah. You know, yeah, and there are some of those guys that are local, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, if you're gonna if you get a dog from them, you need to go to fucking them, and it's not my problem. But um, I run into the same problems, and it's super fucking frustrating. And and it's not like you said, like I'm trying to, um, I don't know fucking call people out or I don't know, however you want to say it. I mean, it's, it's literally just a matter of does the dog work or does he not? Or does he work or does he not? I mean, it's really fucking simple. Like, and when, you know, something as simple as a vehicle extraction or not simple, but I mean, we do a fairly routine vehicle extraction and then ramp it up for for some of the guys. Some of these people, I mean, it's really fucking hard for them. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that's really fucking hard. You know, that's when would I have to do that? And I'm like, dude. This is one of the most common things that you will be asked to do as a canine handler for bites. I mean, fuck, how many times do you guys do vehicle extractions? We do them uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, We had one of our dogs, his second week on the street, he did two back-to-back days. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, they train it once a year. And they may never see it. They may never be involved in it. They may never be in an opportunity to do it or whatever it is. But, you know, they're out biting a fucking sleeve. They're all doing fucking stupid bullshit or whatever else. And then it's simply a matter of, you know, going through the paces. And we're like, well, yeah, that's fucking great and whatever else. I mean, for example, like today, I've got a handler school. So I do what we call panic out. So you send a dog into a vehicle, and for whatever reason, you can't yank somebody out of the car. You're like, well, fuck, I guess I've got to retrieve the dog. And that's the big misnomer. And one of the things that kind of bugs me about some of my local, what I would call competition, is they're like, oh, you know, Ted and Scott train dogs that are hard to handle or that are difficult to handle. And I'm like, no, they're just police dogs. It's not my fault. You're a pussy. And so what ends up happening is, you know, we do these bites, and the handlers, you know, give them the out command, dogs out, automatically come back. And I'm like, that's eh, perfect. No big deal. So I end up kind of, I think, by default, fixing a lot of shit that I don't feel like I should have to. Um, and I think it's because I'm sympathetic to the cause and I feel bad for some people. And sometimes it's not their decision. You know, I mean, sometimes those dudes like, you know, they get a grant from which, you know, in our area of the country, which we'll talk about vendors here in a second. I have a fucking... I have a shit ton of rants about fucking vendors here in a second, but so, you know, I'm, I'm on the same boat. I mean, you know, I would love for everybody to be on the same page for training, which, you know, the episode we recorded the other night with the Ed and Ed and Ken, I mean, it's kind of on the same in that same vein, but yeah, totally. I, I get fucking bent with other local trainers and I'm like, really? Come on now. Yeah. I'm the same as far as, uh, uh, letting guys come that, you know, didn't train with me in the beginning or whatever, and they come and, you know, uh, maybe they go to some place that is, you know, so-so, but I have a, I have a soft heart because I still, when they come, if they make an effort to come to me exactly. and they reach out and they come to me and want to do the work and they come and are sincere about it and really want to try and they'll do what I say and, and, uh, you know, go along with the program and, um, uh, then, then I have a soft spot for them. You know, um, one thing you can't come to my group and be a not be a Type A personality because everybody is. And so, if you're going to come here and try to be a wallflower, and, and just so you can get some hours, and that ain't going to work. But uh, we have a guy. So there's a there's a I don't know if you call it a company, but um, it's a training group uh, north of me that, that's huge. It's way less than it used to be, but they used to have like fuck like 30 some agencies that used to go there 
And what it was is you go to this guy and he gives you a free puppy, right? So you get this eight-week-old puppy. Um, I, I don't know where he gets them. I think he was breeding them for a while, shepherds and Malinois. This is a guy who says that there's no such thing as drive and genetics mean nothing. That every German shepherd and every uh, Malinois can be a police dog if you start early enough. So you as an agency, you go get this puppy, fucking eight-week-old puppy, and they want you to start driving around in your car with it. And I get there's some, you know, there's definitely some uh, uh, media play and, you know, there's some publicity and everything like that. Um, but you get this puppy. So so right now you're going to be at least a year before you're on the road with this dog. But here's the thing. He gives it to you for free. Um, and what he does is at the end of the year, you have to write him something so he can do a tax deduction through his business. He, I believe he charges for school sniffs or charges for demos and things like that. And he had a shit load of guys that were going up there. And it was literally... You know, like the soup Nazi where you step up um, crab bisque and then you step to your left and you give the guy the money. That's exactly what training is like him. You stand up, you stand in line, you go run your two or three dope hides, you go sit down because there's 35, 40 dudes there. Um, You get up, everybody goes and lays a straight 30-foot track, 30 yards maybe at the most. You go run that down. Then you go do demos for this fucking clown. And you never, ever do anything scenario-based. You never do any good training whatsoever. His dogs are garbage. His dogs, um, a lot of them get fucking diseases. Um, And here's the kicker about it all. Is the guy is a fucking convicted criminal. And these agencies sell their souls and, and go to this jerk off for a free freaking puppy i i don't get it uh they had it they had a another training company come up and do a um do a a seminar for them Uh, it's been two years now and it was you know developing good street dogs this seminar for these guys and there was other the other training group there and there was some of the guys from this training group and they asked him now some of these trainers you're right have no choice right they get this dog they have no say um of what they every every single training day is nothing but state certification stuff um they have no say some of them and it's because they started watching what we were doing on uh, online because I knew I have a guy, I had a guy going there and he would report back to me what was happening. So they would watch what I did on Tuesday or Wednesday and then they would replicate it at their training day or try or ask and he would say no. Um, but anyways, they had that seminar and they got pulled. They pulled this instructors aside before they left and said, in front of the guy who owns the company and said, so what do you guys think about our dogs? And the two guys that run this company said. You guys, your dogs are not good. You're, they're dangerous. You're going to get hurt. Uh, not one of them would pass any test for my agency to be a dual-purpose police dog. N- none of them. They're horrible. Yet, here these guys are, still going back to their train. Still oh, yeah. going. And I had another guy tell me from there. Now, I, I've never seen this. You have to sign a contract with this guy. I was told that 
some agencies sign a contract with him that you got to give a certain percentage of funds seized by your dog to him. Yeah, I've seen that. So here's the deal. Like, um, Highway Patrol, well, State Police, Highway Patrol, depending on what state you're on, they had this big deal where they were seizing funds uh, from credit card, right? So, like, the big thing now is the cartel members were using, uh, like, hotel keys and shit to transport drug money, right? Like, it was in account numbers and everything else. So uh, this company, uh, I'm not going to mention their name, but... Mm. Um, they were basically using the statutes of um, the civil asset forfeiture shit, which is legit, except not what I'm about to describe. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they would get pulled over and they would catch somebody with 900 room keys for a hotel. And you're like, oh, well, obviously something's going on here. So these dudes would fucking swipe these cards and they would seize like, you know, $600,000, something ridiculous. Well, this company, and I have the contract. It was filed with the state of Oklahoma. You know, I mean, it was completely, I mean, the contract is legit, except it's fucking illegal. But, you know, I mean, they were basically getting uh, six point and whatever percent of everything that was fucking seized. And not shockingly, the DOJ had a problem with that. And they're like, eh, you're kind of incentivized for fucking stealing shit from people that may or may not need, you know, and people are like, oh, you're going to take my credit card. I'm like, oh, they're not going to do it if it has your fucking name on it and matches your ID. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to take shit out of your bank account. But nonetheless, it's still it's still, you know, I mean, because I've had people ask me to do that. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no. How about you just pay me for the dog and then you keep everything? How about that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. no, I, I, you know the whole shit where you eat thing. I, I'm out on that, you know. And, and that's a that's a common. Um, I've heard that more than once, and that is some shady fucking shit. And let me tell you, if you agree to that, and you get caught, uh, there's been cases in Georgia. There's been one in Arkansas. There's been one in Tennessee where people have gotten fired. People have gone to fucking jail. And, you know, I mean, I no way in hell would I ever fucking do that. And the fact that people are out doing this and there and and the thing that fucking floors me about that is they're administrators. I mean, they're fucking under sheriffs up in there, apparently up in Ohio that are like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a fucking great idea. We should totally do that. And you're like, seriously, dude. I mean, how? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't either. I mean, in, in the same vendor vein. So this is my vendor rant because of where we're at. Uh, we have some vendors uh, that are close to us in uh, Texas and in Kansas. Um, they do a lot of dogs based on grants and or the post-9-11 thing. So okay. here's how the fucking scam works. So what they do is they agree to... Because the, the thing with the post-9-11 deal, uh, Scott and I have done it before, but you have to... And what it is is it's like the retraining program for the military. It's, you know, you can't buy shit with it. So it's a, like, it's a training. So you can use it for welding school. You can use it for trade school. You can use it for dog training. VA comes out. They evaluate your site, you know, to make sure that you have everything, that you're legit, yada, yada, right? Which isn't that big of a deal. But what these motherfuckers do is they say, okay, you're going to give us two, three, four months worth of your VA or your post-9-11 thing, and you're going to get a free dog, quote-unquote free dog, right? So you just fucking show up. You're there for three days, and they're like, here's your dog. He's done. And and the other scam, which is also running out of fucking Texas, is a 
like a grant. So it's like you apply for this grant, right? And you either co-raise funds and they match, or they take everything that you raise and you get a quote-unquote free dog at that point. And it's like, okay, and you end up paying sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 for a single-purpose dog, but it's quote-unquote free. So administrators are being taken advantage of by people that are either using post 911 or using the are using this grant program. Now there are some there's one in Texas that's legit. Um, I will I'm not going to say their name either, but they are legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but by but by and large these other ones are a fucking scam. In fact, I have one in my training group. Um, when the dog showed up, it had never done a building search. A handler was there for a week for handler school. Dual purpose dog by the way. Failed its test for state certification the first time. And basically, it was left to me and Scott to fucking fix this dog. I didn't make a fucking dime. But these motherfuckers got $16,000 for a dual-purpose dog that couldn't find a fucking joint at Woody Harrelson's house. So, and somehow it's now my problem. And the problem was the handler was out of the loop. He was told to go pick the dog up. This is your dog. This is the vendor. You, I mean, it was like a done deal. So, and it's endemic in this area because of how close we are. So we've got two or, well, like four of these dogs now. And there's another one that is just in a neighboring town about 45 minutes away, just south of here, that, you know, they were talking about it in the newspaper. And they're like, oh, the dog's not used to riding the truck. I'm like, he's a done fucking police dog. Riding in a goddamn car shouldn't be a fucking problem. He should get in whatever you tell him to. If I tell him to get in a milk crate, he'd better fucking do it. But... You know, they're in their newspaper saying, oh, well, you know, he's a, he's not used to riding the trucks, and he's this. I'm like, you've got to be fucking shitting me. But and, and I don't blame the handlers at all. I don't blame the handlers. I don't blame the administrators. They don't know fucking know. They don't know any better. And it's just like you mentioned about the dude being a convicted criminal, one of these other guys is also a convicted fucking felon, and he is just a fucking shithead. He's a piece of shit. And there's not a lot we can do about it. And, you know, it's kind of a um, damned if I do and damned if I don't because this handler. Uh, and, and I will say, you know, since I've had this dog with me for, I don't know, however long she's been with me now, six, eight months, she's turned into a beast. Um, you know, I mean, she's working fucking rock and tracking. She's past certification. She's rocking super low odor dope hides. You know she's doing great. She's doing great bite work under tons of pressure from multiple decoys and everything else. But when she was delivered, it wasn't that case, and it wasn't that way. And um, you know the handler made the effort and bent over backwards to come to training to do what we told him to do. And I'm like, all right, this dude wants to work. He's you know he's 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 in a position like he has to do it. So um, I felt bad. And Scott felt bad, and, you know, that dog and that handler are a good team now, uh, a team that I'm proud of. Um, and I just know that those motherfuckers are going to be like, oh, this is the dog we train. I'm like, eh, fuck you guys. Are, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the only thing that they did right, and I'm not even sure they did it, was they selected a good dog. Um, because she's not, I mean, she's not bad at all. I mean, she's a nice dog, yeah. but fuck around. I mean, I, I, I was floored. And, you know, it's a... It's endemic in this industry, and it's in, especially in this part of the country, and I don't know why, but that's my fucking vendor rant, aside from my local guys that are <laughs> competition yeah. or whatever else. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so um, r- real quick, one more thing on trainer, and we'll go back. I'll jump over to vendors. Uh, mine will be a little bit different take. Um, the trainers, 
and this goes to handlers if you're listening and you have a training group and your trainer never does anything but uses a sleeve you need to go someplace else uh if they're not using a bite suit and they're not doing muzzles and they're not doing uh uh, hidden sleeves and all that you need to go somewhere else because they're just fucking lazy or they're afraid um but if, if you can go through a anywhere from eight to 14 week school and never see a bite suit on a dog on on a decoy uh you really get short changed so those of you who are green decoys or green handlers listen to this pay attention and uh and and see what happens in the future um my vendor rant is this so i get a lot of dogs from europe i don't go to europe um i haven't been there and I don't go there for my buy trips, which I might in the future, but I am too entirely busy to go there at this point. So I rely on videos, right? And um, I have vendors that send me videos, and I have some that have been doing it for a long time, yet I still have to coach them through things that I want to see on the videos. So I don't know if we have any European vendor friends that are listening to this. So when when we ask you to show us a hunt drive video uh it's it's cool that you take them into the room that you have set up with all the different dressers and all the shit you bought at on curbs uh, and you stuck in there with just different drawers and different things for them to sniff around for a toy that's cool um uh on leash off leash or whatever that's good um but i what i definitely want to see is take that dog outside and I, i shouldn't have to explain this to you but take the dog outside. You can play fetch with them a couple of times if you want and start throwing that ball into high grass or wherever. Hold that fucking dog back. Turn him around, do something, and then let him go. And most importantly, shut the fuck up and stay the (laughs) fuck out of the video. I don't want to see you. I want to see the dog work and hunt for the fucking toy. Throwing it and letting them immediately go after that is not showing me the dog's ability to hunt. Yet I see it over and over and over again. And if you're a vendor that I ask for videos and hunt drive videos and you that's what you send me, I, I'm not going to buy your dog and I don't care what the dog looks like. Uh, you obviously have never learned anything. It's kind of like we were talking with uh, Danny. You would think over all the years of guys coming there, you would figure out what they want to see. And here's well, another- uh, there's some dipshit that'll buy it. So. Oh, yeah. That's true. Now, here's the other thing. When you're showing me bite work, okay, you can show me some sleeve work. That's fine. Your dog, I don't give a fuck if you're calling him green or not green or whatever, your dog needs to bite a fucking suit top at least. Um, or or your price is going to be way lower. If your dog has only ever seen a regular sleeve, that's it. Because that's the thing, you know, in Europe now, they're, they're getting the dogs, they're putting them on a sleeve two, three times and shoving them off. Well, uh, and then they get here and the dog won't bite anywhere but your forearm and acts completely confused in any other situation yet we have the vendors or the agencies here wanting the dog back in five or six weeks um with a dog that's basically is about the same level of a dog biting a bite wedge um 
I want to see the videos up close. I want to see if I can see a gap in the dog's mouth where he's biting. And I want to see that dog bite while you were while the decoy is standing there still. That's it. Not doing anything else. Because so, the big thing that some of the, the vendors over there are doing is they send you the video where the, the they got a guy holding the leash. Maybe he lets the leash go. Maybe he just gives it a bite. He bites a sleeve. The guy shakes the sleeve two or three times and slips it. Meanwhile, the video guy is about 40 feet away, 30 feet away. And right. if you don't know any better, it looks, ah, oh, that, that, oh, cool, he's pretty solid. No, stop moving and let's see what he does. You don't have to scream at him. I don't need you to beat him up. I don't need you to do anything like that. I want to see that dog, his desire to keep biting, even if you're just standing there doing nothing and not putting him in prey drive like that. And uh, you would think that they would figure that out. But what they've figured out is how to game the system. Oh, and, yeah. And there are people who fall for it because they don't know what they're looking for. Oh, yeah. No, and, and you know, I mean, that, you know, we had the episode. I think it was, what, episode three was subtle. Was it three or four? I don't remember. We had, we had the so we have the episode with subtle and you know you know he was very telling about hey you know within the first couple of minutes and I you know and I know you're the same way like once you get a dog out you know you got that dog on from Europe just now and you took his ass to the fucking school the next day and he's out running around on slick floors and whatever else right so I mean it, it's pretty quick and he's like oh it always you know when people come out and they're wanted one three to four days to test and I'm like yeah okay sure and hmm. it's it's always interesting to me because you know on the business side of it. Because that's the thing, like everybody that you talk to on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter or wherever the fuck everybody thinks that they're doing whatever they're doing, everybody is a fucking genius and everybody knows what the fuck they're talking about. And because of that, the euros are no different. And I know it's derogatory. I don't care. But, you know, the euros are no different. So there was a point in time twice last year where so, you know, myself and Scott and Alicia are all three of us are on Facebook. Well, I had... Four dudes, twice, the same four motherfuckers, twice, trying to sell me the same dog to either me, Alicia, or Scott at four different prices. And none of the motherfuckers were in the video of the dogs. And I was like, you know, and I finally had to tell two of them. I was like, yo, motherfucker, you guys know that I know the guy in the video, right? Like, I mean, I've met him in person. I had dinner with him. Like, I know him. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you know, uh, we have the dog. I'm like, well, why are you motherfuckers sending me the same video? Why are all four of you sending me the same video? I had to send one dude screenshots of the same video being shared with the prices that all these other three guys were quoting me on the same fucking dog. <laughs> now, you know, in their infinite wisdom, they decided to use the same name, which would have been really awkward if they had been like, oh, no, it's a different dog. I'm like, oh, it's the same fucking video. But right. those motherfuckers, I mean, and I've been saying this for years, they're, they're fucking gypsies. And the guys that uh, Scott and I have used, we've used for a long time, uh, like, you know, 15 years. And, you know, even then, they're kind of, I don't trust them at all. You know, and they'll try and ship bullshit in every once in a while and be like, oh, no. But to one of their credit, you know, I mean, if you get a dog and I and I've told one of them, I was like, you know, if you do this again, I'm just going to I mean, it's only twelve hundred dollars to get over there. I'll just show up on your fucking doorstep. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, Mr. Ted. We'll fix it. I'm like, OK, well, whatever. And sure as shit, two days, you know, I mean, like the next day I've got tracking information. I've got a shipping information from, you know, pets of fly or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, we got good dog coming. I'm like, good fucker. You owe me. And. 
you know, and it didn't cost me anything. But those fuckers, they will try and slip shit in. And, you know, if everybody listening to this, even the Euros, nothing would make my ass happier than if there was a very well-developed breeding program in the United States and a culture of working dogs that fostered the same shit that we have in Holland and in Belgium. God, that would make me so happy so I'd never have to talk to those people again. But we are where we are, and I'm not... You know, I mean, because I say that, it's not like they're not going to sell me dogs anymore. I mean, they're still going to do it, but they just know, and it's the same deal. Like they, you know, I mean, I'll, you know, I've, I'll let somebody else tell the story, but somebody else that we've had on the show has told me a story about how, you know, you go over and you take your own decoy over and they say, oh, this dog is this money, many euros. And they say, okay, if he passed this test with this decoy, then great. And, oh, no, 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 that's not how it works. No, fuck you. That's exactly how it works. And all of a sudden, they're like, no, no, if you're going to do that, these are the dogs you want. And then it's all the fucking hidden bullshit that everybody talks about. And, and you know, and it's the same thing that Subtle said. It's the dog, you know, they're, they, they don't, you know, like, oh, the dogs that are never supposed to leave Holland is bullshit because it's whoever has the most money. Oh, and yeah. if those fuckheads think that they can sell you a dog that sucks for more money, they'll do it. But... If they think you're going to go out there and just fucking shit can dogs and just steamroll people, they'll bring out shit that is worth the money. And, I, you know, I'm in a, thankfully, Scott and I are in a semi-good position where I don't have to fuck around with that a whole lot, and they just know what we expect. And if I don't get it, I just fucking send it back. Or I just, you know, I, I dispute the charge, and they don't get fucking paid. But... You know, that's where we're at. But, yeah, I mean, nothing would make my ass happier than a, and if anybody listening. And I know there's a girl in Texas. Kendall, you can, you're can you listening. I know you're there. Yeah, girls like her and people like her that can breed dogs that don't suck, that we don't ever have to fucking deal with those people again. Make my ass so happy. And because, as you know, like, what are shipping charges now? Uh, I just paid U.S. dollars after the euro and everything was um, like 1200 1100 for a dog. A single dog. Yeah. Yeah, 2015, January, I imported five dogs for less than $1,000. Mm-hmm. The so, best I've gotten lately was, has been like $730. Right. But it's, that's any more that's 1000 bucks you should expect. Yeah. And, I mean, and on top of that, prices haven't gone down. And Scott and I were talking about this the other day. I mean, the days of the $2,500 green dog are fucking over. Well, I mean, you can still get them, but they're, you know, four months old and might chase something. But, you know, I mean, I remember back in the day getting, you know, $2,000 shipped dogs from Holland, and they'd just be fucking man-eaters when they got here. And you're like, yep, uh, that ain't happening anymore. And, you know, it's the same thing that Subtle said. It's the same thing that Danny said. It's the same thing that Bill Heiser said. And, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. I think Bradshaw said it. If he didn't say it on the podcast, he said it to me before. But, I mean, the days are gone of going over and buying 10 fucking dogs at a time and 10, you know, getting 10 fucking, you know, man stoppers. And now it's like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost not even worth it to go over there. I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, and listen, those of you who are in Euro listening going, well, fuck, that's not me. Listen, there are good there are good guys over there that are. That are, um, you know, still sending some okay stuff and still doing the videos correctly. The guy that I just got this dog from, um, the videos he sent me were were decent, were good. And but I wanted to see some different things, and he went and made everything that I wanted to see. Like the same day, there was no, you know, I've had guys that I asked to see a couple things on video, and I never hear from them again. 
Um, and then this is weird too. There was a guy it's and his they don't wife. Have the fucking dog. That's correct. There was a guy. <laughs> that's exactly right. There's a guy and his wife that hit me up, and and I cannot for the life of me remember they 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 added me to their little Facebook group, and um, so they're just uh, I can't remember. I think they were in uh, Hungary, maybe. Anyways. So they, they had three or four dogs, and every one of them, they did the exact same things in all the videos. So they come in, they show the dog doing some hunt drive indoors, doing some, you know, jumping over shit, climbing this, climbing that. And th- so that the dog does that. Then the dog comes in and does a sleeve bite with some pressure in, this, in the house. He does a suit bite with pressure in there, taking them, dragging them up over shit, doing all kinds of stuff. Then they go outside in the video. It cuts to the next one, and they show them doing a hidden sleeve bite. They show them doing, a, um, I think, a sleeve in a suit. Um, they show them, uh, like, climbing stuff. And they show them, they take them to out in the public. They take them to a train station as much. Every dog exactly the same routine, which I liked because there was four dogs and I, I narrowed down to two because I was like, these two dogs, um, the, in showing everything the same, I could see some issues with the other two. And I like these two the best. And I ended up not buying them because they were too small. <laughs> and because I didn't buy them, they, they kicked me off their little group. But um, they were 12 months old, but they they just were going to be probably 50 pound dogs. And I, I'm trying to stay a little bit bigger than that these days. But so there are there, those guys, I, I think they were doing it right. They just didn't have, you know, for me what they're looking for. And I cannot remember their name of their business. And then there's another guy that, that I've gotten a dog from before too, that he, sh- I don't, everything you would need to see hunt dry, everything he's got it already done. Um, there's no dicking around and dickering over videos and things like that. It's just if he has, he's small, so he doesn't always have a lot of dogs. Um, but you're right. If I ask for dogs, uh, and and here's the thing, man. Show me, show, give me an honest look. There was a guy that was trying to sell me a dog who looked really good, except for they were choking the dog off the bite, and each time they stopped the video, as you could see, the dog turning back towards the handler. Oh, you sent me that. Yeah, I'm like this dog's biting this guy. Yeah. Every fucking time he's biting him. But you they sent me that, and you were blocking. like, "What do you see?" And I'm like, "Where's the rest of it? I want to see him bite that motherfucker." Yeah, because and then I asked him, "Is he got handler aggression?" No, no, he's good. Wrong. You're you're hiding it. Um, because if if you tell me no, and then the dog comes here, and the first time I take him off a bite, he turns and eats me alive. Um, I, we got big problems. Um, you can't, you know, you have people that come to work for you. I have people that help me and things. I can't have them getting bit all the time. You know what I mean? I, I just can't, it just can't happen. And, um, the, you know, the dog that is the douchebag, I'll deal with that. I mean, but I, I need to know it ahead of time. I, it can't right. be a surprise. Um, so anyways, we spent a lot of time on it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So, so, what do you want to do, admin, or you want to do uh, handlers? I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. 
because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit that would make Jacob Davis happy. Who's <laughs> going to Google that to get the joke? Arno uses top quality materials and hand makes each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at almk9equipment.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, or Arno, A-R-N-O, at almsuits.com. Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Tripwire Operations Group. We're first responders dedicated to first responders. We believe the most highly trained create a safer America. We prepare military and first responders to protect our country by providing products, training, services, and relationships that together no one else provides. Tripwire provides virtually every type of explosive product currently manufactured. We also produce our very own binary explosive, TexPak. Tripwire provides military and law enforcement training, consulting, canine advanced training, and firearm sales and training. Folks, Ryan and the boys over at Tripwire are true badasses in the industry. Go check them out at www.tripwireops.org. That's tripwireops.org. Hey, let's get this finished up here. Southern Coast Canine, the letter K, the number 9.com, sponsor for the episode. Southern Coast Canine offers canine handler, instructor, and trainers courses with a variety of seminars throughout the year. Visit them at southerncoastcanine.com, the letter K, the number 9. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram for up-to-date courses and event schedules. 877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647 to register and find out more about these excellent courses. Also, Southern Coast Canines has an immediate opening for a full-time multi-purpose canine trainer position, the MPC trainer position. If you want to join a winning team, contact them at the same number or email your resume to P Heiser, H-E-I-S-E-R at southerncoastcanine.com, the letter K, the number nine. Uh, let's do admin. Okay. Um, so I, I'm be, I gotta be real careful. Uh, <laughs> so admin, and I'm not talking about ours. Um, you gotta stop. Listen, the no court is ruled that the dog is deadly force or just like a, a cunt hair under deadly force. Um, the agencies, and it's usually bigger cities, but not always. But the agencies that that are um, have it limited, their dogs cannot do a bite apprehension unless it's a violent felony that just occurred, which is a lot of things. A, a lot of agencies have that. Had to be fresh, violent felony. Um, there's nobody that says that's the way it has to be. I, I don't understand why you have a dog program if you're trying to have one bite a year. Um, the odds of your guy working and there being a fresh, violent felony that happened in his shift right then and there just happened and you're chasing the guy uh, are very slim. And why you handcuff yourself when you don't have to is is absolutely beyond me. 
and um, and it it just comes from you know like we've talked before on some of these podcasts I've I've written it online a lot is the word liability drives me insane. Um, can't oh, liability, 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 and to use the to use the words of our president, that's fake news. It's a false narrative. There's nobody out there that can come on here and tell you about agencies that have lost millions and millions of dollars from dogs. It just doesn't exist. It was something that was started and made up by guys in the late 80s, early 90s. And the problem is those guys are all now bosses. And they're still telling it. Just because you're a boss doesn't mean it's true if you say something. Doesn't mean if you, you can go out and go, there, and, and Ted, we've talked about this before, there are still old trainers and old bosses. I know there's a ton of bosses that will not allow their agency to get a Malinois because they're insane and will kill you, is what they tell people. They're going to eat your children and, and rip your baby's heads off. That's the No, we have to have a German Shepherd because Malinois are insane. Because they heard that in 1994 by some right. old-ass fucking trainer who was at his 30th year on the fucking job who was too lazy to handle a Malinois or to train one. Because they didn't know how to deal with it. So, yeah, and and you it, know, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, and my my, you know, because you know, you're an active and you're you know, you're an active law enforcement officer. I'm not. So my my stance on this is coming from a different different perspective. But even even that, you know, in that we have the same view. So I hear it all the time. Like we're worried about liability. I'm like, okay, why? Like oh, a dog bites somebody. I'm like, you know, and and when I'm dealing with administrators, I try and really, really, or chiefs or people that are decision makers, I really try and make it as plain as possible, and say, okay, well, look, you know, if particularly in Oklahoma, you know, a dog bite is 100% fault state. So even if your single purpose dog bites somebody, you're still liable for it. So there's that. Two. You know, we have this whole issue about this fake liability thing. And I said, you know, if you dis distance yourself from the fact that we're talking about a dog, you just think about it as a, as a robot. Just, you know, for right now, even though dogs aren't robots and people are going to be like, oh, fuck, I can't believe you said that. No, dogs aren't robots, I know. But just consider him like part of a bomb squad robot or whatever else. And the dog's done what he's trained to do and he's done what he's told. He's still a portion or a small piece of the use of force continuum. And he is a tool to be used just like anything else. And thankfully, or, you know, I mean, for the better, law enforcement agencies are protected. You know, it's not lethal force. It's not close to lethal force. In fact, the only person that's ever fucking died from a dog bite is the case in 1979. Well, it would happen in 1979, but it was decided in the 80s that determined that a dog bite was not fucking lethal. And the motherfucker died. And when you start explaining to them, it's like, look, you know, just because the dog can bite doesn't mean he needs to. And once you start getting into it, where they're getting their information is either from the worst places, from other departments, or from city attorneys or county attorneys or people that have zero fucking idea about anything that has to do with use of force. And 
what it really, really comes down to is what they call the horrific nature. And there are some people that are like, oh, dog bites are bad. I'm like, yeah, it's a fucking dog bite. You think dog bites are bad? Wait till you see a fucking gunshot wound. And because and I say, you know, and I tell people that, you know, I said if we're going to and I've had conversations with city attorneys and county attorneys where. You know, they're like, well, it looks bad in court. I was like, you know what looks really bad is fucking shooting people, even if it's justified. I don't give a fuck. Even now, if you shoot someone, you think it's bad. You let a dog bite somebody, won't even make the fucking news. You shoot somebody, even if it's justified, you're going to be in a world of shit. And it is. It is what it is. And, you know, I tell my guys, I'm like, so are my, these, some of these administrators, I said, you know, you can't be afraid to let these guys do their job. You either have to trust that they've been trained well and that you've done a good job training them and that they're going to do their jobs correctly or not. And, you know, I mean, we entrust these guys with a ton of responsibility and we entrust these guys with a ton, you know, a ton of, of leeway. And, you know, they're out there doing their fucking job. And I just genuinely don't believe in handicapping them at all. And... You know, and I say it all the time. I'll say it in person. I say it online. I say it all this other shit. And I generally don't believe in sending police officers out to do an already dangerous job and then asking them to assume a higher amount of risk than is necessary or is needed in an effort to decrease some sort of liability. And right. I, 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 I'll never understand that stance. And I've actually told administrators, I'm like, I think you've forgotten what it's like to be in a fucking car. You know, I mean, which didn't go over that well, which I don't really care. But we wouldn't have gotten the bid anyway, so it didn't matter. But mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I think, and, you know, coming from somebody like me who has never been a cop, they're like, oh, you don't fucking know either. I'm like, yeah, but I do know that what you're asking these guys to do is a lot different than it was 20 years ago when you were doing it. And when you know we're asking these guys to deal with these people and we're you know, to deal with shit like this and then we're handicapping them and everything, it was like we either got to trust in their training and trust in their equipment or we don't. And there is no in-between. And when uh, with the most successful programs that I've dealt with that have listened to that and kind of accepted it and gone to the forefront and, you know, reached out to really good attorneys and said, we need a new policy rewrite. You know, ours hasn't been updated since 1995. I'm like, fuck, Clinton was in office when that happened. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely need to do a redo. And, (laughs) you know, I I wholeheartedly agree. And a lot of those progressive departments and they may not even be that big. They have like three dogs or two. And but they're super progressive on their policies. And, you know, those guys have a ton of leeway and they're super successful. They don't get into trouble. They're trained well and they're good cops. They're good handlers and they're run by they're run like professional departments, which is what they fucking should be. But, you know, and I think there's a misnomer like large departments. You know, I mean, there's definitely exceptions, but I think people are like, oh, they're huge. Whatever PD, you know, they're great because they're huge. And I'm like, no. No. I mean, I've I've seen some of these departments' policies. I'm like, this shit wasn't updated since 2011, man. I mean, so much shit has happened since then, and they're still doing shit the same fucking way. And they're doing, which is, you know, some of it's okay, and most of it's not. But yeah, I mean, I I I wholeheartedly think that if you and ad and that's the thing I tell everybody because everybody, you know. If you look on social media, you would be convinced that dog trainers, especially canine trainers, are some sort of the end-all, be-all when it comes to the fucking policy and procedure and everything else. And I'll be honest with you, I I kind of 
have gotten into it because I've had to, but, and I know you do because you do all the, you know, some of the review stuff for your department, but, you know, so much of what we do has nothing to do with being a fucking dog trainer. I mean, at all. I mean, I, the conversations that I have, fuck the conversations I had today with administrators and with under sheriffs and everything else had fuck all to do with how I teach a dog to sit or find drugs. It had everything to do with how do we get around X or how do I do this or how do I do that? Or how can I, you know, convince a district attorney of this or how can I convince a D you know, something to that effect. And I'm like, have them look here, 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 and here. And you know, that's, I think what separates, people like you and I from people that were former handlers that just did what they were fucking told. And they're like, Oh, I'm just going to go do this. And then I can train a fucking dog. And now, you know, all of a sudden, you know, from state to state, I mean, fuck last time I counted, we have dogs in 16 states or something. And which obviously every state has a different standard and everything else. So, I mean, when they, when departments come to me, I'm like, okay, what's your policy? Let me read it. This is how we're going to train your handler. This is that and the other. And I train, Scott and I train the dogs to their standard. If they don't have one, I have a pre-written policy that was written by an attorney. That's kind of very broad and covers kind of what I call minimum amounts of risk in terms to the department. So it's not super bite heavy and it's not super violent felony only bullshit. It's kind of somewhere in the between. So and say, this is what I suggest. If you want it to be less or more, we can do that too. But, I mean, and I think that needs to happen. I think vendors need to do that. But I don't know a ton that do. I mean, not off the top of my head anyway. I mean, I know there's some guys out and, I mean, I actually think about it. You know, there's several that do. But, I mean, it's definitely not the norm for sure. Nope. It definitely isn't. Um, we're pretty lucky where I'm at. We, um, you know, it's. The thing is, if you if you look at the dog's usage as as the level of force versus the crime that was committed, um, so that the the agencies that always have uh, have the fresh violent felonies or violent felonies rule for the um, using their dogs, I ask them the same question every time, and it's it's domestic violence where the guy beats the shit out of the girl and runs out the back door. Um, that is easily a dog call tracking that guy and and, oh, yeah. and biting him for a violent crime. But guess what? It's a misdemeanor. And every time yeah. they're like and domestics are the some of the some of the most dangerous calls we go on. And meanwhile, uh they're oh well yeah, I guess I I guess I forgot about that. And it's and I tell them you can you can track the guy from the domestic. Doesn't mean in the end it's it's what happens when you get to him is that's when it happens. There are a fuckload of shootings that happen in this country every every year that started as misdemeanors. Yeah. It had, uh, you I know mean, what I mean? So I can't shoot you because this was a traffic stop for no turn signal. Right. No, it's because you pulled a gun out. Right. And, you know, I mean, one of our dog's uh, first bite was exactly as you described husband and wife get into it she gets the worst end of it they show up they know who he is uh he runs off the back door at two o'clock in the morning uh the handler asks does he have any firearms she goes well he normally has a gun but he's but he owns it to his brother often well can we find out if he's loaned it to him or not 
can't get a hold of the brother, so they track him with the backing officer. They roll up on this dude in waist-deep grass laying face down, and he's drunk. And body cam shows the officer saying, show me your fucking hands, I don't know how many times, I think eight. And each time he re- he reels in, reels in, reels in, at the last minute, he was like, fuck this shit. And you can hear him telling him, he's like, I don't want to let him bite somebody that's passed out, which is legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, bites the dude, and he rolls off of a long gun. <sighs> and it was fucking hairy. So yeah. uh, nobody got shot, and homie went to jail. Um, but, you know, you're completely right. And that that is a scenario that that scenario has happened more than once with that team and has happened more than once with my teams here. Um, and, you know, I mean, my guys, fuck, four, just my local guys, four of my guys, last year stopped suicide by cop at least once. And either through either through a bite or through and it was stupid shit like somebody being drunk and being like, you know, acting like a fuck, acting like Mm -hmm. an idiot and saying, you know, stuff in their hands and their pants and whatever else. And like, you're just gonna have to shoot me and all this other stuff. And, you know, you know, they're like, "Ah, I'm just gonna let the dog bite you. And all of a sudden, everybody wants to give up. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's really it's really not the best practices they think it is. Uh, maybe it'll change here. Uh, maybe it won't. Maybe it'll get worse. Um, you know, it just we'll just see. All right. So now we could probably do an hour on bitching about handlers. Um, so we will try to uh, let's limit it to a couple things. A couple things that they do either in at maintenance training, not so much that they do like in deployment, but more in in training um, that things that they are repetitively done that you can expect to bring up and mention in every class several times to there'll be one or two guys doing the same thing every time and uh, and then I'll do the same thing my my biggest one is uh, I tell my handlers all the time handling is not a spectator sport uh, that's a huge deal and I can't stand when they just fucking stand there like a lump and they don't do anything um, I understand that you may not know exactly what I want you to do. So I either show them or I tell them or I walk them through it. And, you know, there's a point in time when I'm like, you know, you've got to be able to figure this out to some extent. And I, you have some fantastic stories about the dude throwing the ball. But, <laughs> uh, oh, God. But I haven't thankfully had anybody like that. And, you know, generally my guys are selected well, and I'm lucky that I have guys that are professional, that are motivated, that are, you know, that are good. Um, occasionally we have a couple slip through, but by and large, I mean, they're they're good guys. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's one thing I can't stand. Even with my sport club, when they just, when handlers stand there, I'm just like, seriously, I mean, do something. You know, I mean, it's your fucking dog, you know. So, and as we go through the handler school, I make it harder and harder and harder. Like, I've got one going on now, and they're in the last half of it now. Like, I just kind of stand there, and I watch them, and I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I've gone to trainings before with large groups of people, with people I didn't train. There'll be like 30 canine handlers there, and four will be mine, and I'll see them doing something, which I explicitly told them not to do, and I'll stop, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know better than that. Where'd you learn how to do that? And they point at somebody. I'm like, well, I'm standing here. Don't do that while I'm fucking standing here. You know better than that. 
And I don't, I mean, the other people kind of look at me like I'm a dick or whatever else. And I don't, it doesn't bother me that much, but I'm like, don't do that. And you know better than that. And that's happened more than one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my, the biggest thing is, I guess, taking direction and listening or doing exactly what I'm telling you to do after I explain you why you're doing it. And then they kind of, I mean, and some of it, they don't understand like animal behavior and whatever else or why the dog does what they do, which is not necessarily their fault, but yeah, they, you know, what I have to, a lot of guys, they like to, while I start talking to them about what we're going to be doing or, you know, things are doing, they start fucking around with their dog and they're not listening. They start playing with their dog and I have to tell them, stop fucking with your dog or go put him up. Um, you have to put him up and then come back and talk to me. Um, or the guy who rewards his dog and then immediately has to take it from him. Like they track for half a mile. The dog gets the toy. Woo-woo-woo. Five seconds. Okay. Los. Let's go. I'm like, what the fuck? You can't let this dog enjoy this thing for a few minutes, you selfish son of a bitch. Um, and it's just it, – that part's really weird. But this is something I saw in the video the other day that reminded me to make this uh, podcast is <clears throat> e-collars. Okay. So I'll, I'll stick to – I'll stick to one topic and that will be e-collars. Um, they uh, – the biggest thing that guys do that drive me fucking nuts, and I don't understand why they do it, is they have the e-collar controller on their fucking belts or on their pockets. And they try during recall, while we're working, you know, recalls, we're working outs from scenarios or anywhere, and they try to work the work the thing from their pocket, and then it's, it's not working right, and they have to look down at it and turn it up or turn it down and make sure they have the right button and make sure they have a, and meanwhile the dog is biting the guy in the hand or he has blown the um, blown the recall and they're looking down they're not looking at the dog they're looking down at their fucking belts and so it's so bad that I have to tell that I've had to tell guys if you, if you do not put that e-collar remote in your hand but before we do this exercise you have to leave and go home I will no longer tolerate you just fucking not listening to me and thinking that you're so fast that you can work this e-collar thing and and reach down with your one hand and turn it up without looking and you'll know exactly where it is and you'll fucking work it. And meanwhile, the dog blows is blowing this recall that we're trying to work on and or the out. Um, we had a decoy the other day say he's getting he's almost out my hand and the the handler hit him on the e-collar and he probably hit out of 128 on the dog tray. He probably had it at 19. And then, <laughs> so because he didn't want to hurt him, he was my buddy. So, Fuck that. <laughs> so he, yeah. So he, he tries it two or three times on the same fucking thing because he knows he has to break eye contact and look down and find it wherever the fuck it is in his pocket uh, not on him at all. I've had that where the e-collar remote is sitting in their car. I had a guy uh, using his e-collar remote one day and he didn't understand why it didn't work. The collar wasn't even on the fucking dog. He was he was <laughs> hitting a button and it was wasn't on him. I went I left I left the field. I went home. Um, said you motherfuckers do what you want. But <laughs> no so, way. Yeah. So. Um, 
I, I don't understand. So in the video the other day, I I, ended, I didn't even post the video. I deleted it. Uh, I see a handler who's got a dog that um, is a hard ass dog, and he's in the back of the van biting the guy in the back seat. So it's not an I. I mean, it's a tough situation to get the, a clean out as it is, and he had to look back three or four times to find his e-collar remote and work that thing. So guys, if you're listening, when you're doing work at training where you're going to use your e-collar, put the fucking thing in your hand. I don't get it. I don't understand why this avert. It's not going to shock you. It's not a fucking electric fence. It's not going to zap. It's not one of those, those old handshake trick things. We're not fooling you. Hold it in your fucking hand and use it correctly and dial it up and down. If if you try to use your e-collar remote on your dog, maybe he's a hard out dog, and he doesn't out, don't just sit there and keep fucking telling him to out and keep hitting him at the same fucking level. Turn it up. Okay, and end rant. <laughs> Fuck, I, I don't have... I, I'm usually... Hmm. Uh, either I'm really lucky, or because a lot of my handlers aren't idiots, or I I don't know, or Scott does a really good job of explaining that beforehand about the whole timing and consistency thing and how we teach the dogs with e-callers and everything else. And so, oh, thank God I've never had that kind of story, but... Uh, I mean, now one of my handlers is a ninja with an e-collar, and he keeps his on his belt. But it's the same collar; he has like two of them, and he. So I mean, he's been using it for like four or five years, and I mean, he knows where the buttons at is in the dark. Like so, that I understand, and he's really good with it. So that I'm not worried about. But no, he's the one percent of of that. Well, he's not. He's not an idiot, so that that helps. But I mean. Yeah, and, and granted, now most of my rant there are guys that are are new into the into it are within their first one or two years in in it. But um, I I don't get they think that they're on the street going to be able to um, to to out this dog, reach down, grab him, use it, let go of him, go find their e collar where it's at instead of getting their shit ready right before they use it or or practice. One hand on the collar, one hand on the e-collar, you know, on the e-collar remote and bumper. But the, they can't even remember where the fuck it's at. Again, wh- where's your e-collar remote? Oh, oh, in the car, really? Well, what good does that do now when the dog is biting my kneecap off? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand it. So, anyways, that was just a rant that I had. I could, I could do tons and tons and tons of that, but. Um, for different little things that you have to say all over. And, you know, I, I find myself preaching nonstop during tracking about guys that are death gripping the leash so that when the, when the dog is slack and then how they bang that dog and, and ruin his tracking instead of being, you know, I, I try to show him how I can track. I do a lot of tracking, how I can track with like three, two fingers on the leash, three fingers. And let the leash slide out of my hand when the, and climb back up when it goes slack and let it slide back out. And these guys, I see guys tracking, and the dog starts tracking, and I can see the guy's knuckles. They're so white from him squeezing this thing like like the dog is going to go into hyperspeed. And, and they won't be able to hold on to him. It's it, things like that, but that's um, that's for another episode. Yeah, Scott has some horror stories about tracking with 
dogs that only track to the left because the handler's right-handed and they put him in a collar and they put him in a harness that doesn't fit and every time you pull on the fucking thing it pulls him sideways so the dog just walks around in circles all the fucking time yeah yeah it's uh, I like I like teaching tracking. It's it's good, but it, it's finesse. There's definitely some finesse to it, and it's funny because I make the guys track it training with a thirty foot leash. I track with a fifty foot leash just so I can stay proficient with it, and to show them that it's not too much leash. And uh, as soon as they leave class, these motherfuckers are switching over to a twelve foot, fifteen foot leash, ten foot. I seen a, I had a guy come back with a six foot leash. Like, what the fuck are you doing? six foot leash and uh well, we do like all that extra leash the fuck out of here <laughs> fucking shit so <laughs> anyway ted where can you be found uh you can find me on instagram ted and tour scummers or uh working dog dry goods and you can find both of us at working underscore dog underscore radio um, and then, of course, uh, Alicia is at Working Dog Dry Goods, which is also me. It's mainly her, but it's also me. Uh, what about you? I'm uh, Van S. K9 on Instagram, mostly. I have Van S. K9 Academy on uh, Facebook. Um, Police Canine Association, I'm one of the administrators of their Facebook page and uh, their training director. But most of what I do is on Van S. K9. You know, we could probably call this the, the F word episode or the f- motherfucker or the. Some other awesome name. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come up with something. So, um, yeah. I mean, if anybody has anything specific they want us to talk about, uh, shoot us an email, DM, uh, PM on Facebook, Instagram, however. Uh, but yeah, other than that. All right. Well, thanks for uh, signing up tonight. Appreciate yeah, it. for sure. All right, we'll, talk, we'll see you. Talk, talk to you everybody soon. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at Brother Deeg, spelled D-E-G-E, dot blogspot, dot com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.